Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sumer Sports Show. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, here today uh, doing, again, the, the Wednesday version of this uh, of this show, as we'll do all uh, all summer. Eric Eager and Thomas Dimitrov, your uh, normal host, will be here on uh, on Mondays, and uh, and I'll be here Wednesdays, or maybe vice versa, but at least one of those days. Anyway, uh, back with, with one of those episodes today. Here, got another really great guest to uh, to talk to, senior data scientist from Sumer Sports, Adam Vonderhaar, joins us today. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great, Parker. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here and be a part of the podcast, and so yeah, excited to get into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we're gonna have a really interesting conversation today talking about, um, Adam, you have some experience in the NFL, um, to say in the least. And so, uh, yeah. I'm really excited to kind of get your perspective as a, um, person who used to work, uh, in an analytics department now kind of works outside of that in that same world, but outside of that world, uh, from the day to day will be a lot of fun before we get into that. Just a couple of housekeeping things. Make sure you do, uh, subscribe to Sumer Sports on Twitter. Make sure you like, rate, review, share the show if you like it. Again, that just helps us get um, connected to the audience that wants to hear our content. I think, again, some of this content that we're bringing out is is stuff you won't find anywhere else on the internet. And so we certainly want people who enjoy it to, to be able to, to access it. Um, and that helps us make better content. And uh, make sure you're um, checking out the articles up on the zone at sumersports.com. Uh, there's some good ones up there that that you may have uh, missed that are about the draft, that are about style and um, how teams function. It's super interesting stuff about uh, uh, void years and, and contracts and all that. Uh, a really good resource of information. And we'll be putting out new articles all summer. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, all right, Adam, let's... Um, Let's dive into it, man. Without without further ado, I can do a two and a half minute intro there. I can just uh, I can just chat forever. But let's uh, let's get into this. So you are senior data scientist at Sumer Sports. In broad terms, for someone who doesn't know, tell us about your role at at Sumer. Kind of what your big picture and your day to day looks like. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I joined the company pretty early, and so I uh, was fortunate enough to kind of be involved in several different things uh, for the first kind of iteration of our product. Um, 
Uh, I'm a data scientist, so building analytical models. Um, as you know, we uh, do roster optimization, and there's a lot of different models that feed that optimization. So um, I worked on player usage and projecting snaps for players, which is a big part of uh, player value and incorporating injuries, things like that. Um, and then also uh, worked a little bit on positions, positional importance and, and positional value and um, kind of bringing all that together uh, at the end of that, along with some other analytical models that other people worked on uh, to feed into the optimizer and working with the optimizer team to make sure those inputs were as strong as they could be. And then uh, we can get good results back from the optimizer. So uh, that's kind of what I've, I've been doing and I'll continue to do that. Uh, I am turning a little bit of attention to capping contracts here coming up. That's a really important area that we want to expand in even further. I think we've already done some great work. So I'm just going to kind of build on some of that good foundation that some other people worked on here and uh, continue to explore that. So yeah, it's super exciting and uh, it's been a great ride so far. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Um, we've already got a couple of questions there in the, in the comments. I'm happy we'll get to those uh, here, here uh, as the show goes on. So make sure you drop them in the comments and we'll see them. Cause again, we have Adam here who has just a ton of knowledge and, and will be really fun to pick his brain. So if you've got questions, make sure you throw them in there. Um, Adam, how did you get involved kind of in, in, in sports analytics? What's your, what's your background? Were you a data science guy? Um, how did you get kind of connected to the world of, of football? Yeah, it was a really roundabout path. Uh, I did not start in data science. Uh, I studied electrical engineering in college and coming out of college, uh, I worked an engineering job. Um, there's a lot of data in engineering though. And I was doing large scale production and uh, with a defense contractor. And then it kind of was looking at lots of data and kind of realized that was my interest and where I wanted to go. Uh, so I ended up getting a master's in data science. And um, that was kind of how I got into data science in general. Uh, on the side, though, that was around the time that DraftKings and FanDuel were really big. You saw all the ads all over the place in 2014, 2015. And I'd always played redraft uh, season fantasy with my fr friends and stuff, but uh, really got into the daily fantasy thing with football. And uh, that's how I kind of found football analytics. And there's a you know growing community on Twitter that was doing more public work. Um, people like Josh Hermsmeyer were really big for me back in that time that were doing public fantasy stuff and uh, yeah, just tried to learn as much as I can and on the side of that. So, um, and from that is where I, I heard about the big data bowl and that's kind of was my, my path into uh, football analytics was I submitted an entry for that and was selected as a finalist the, the very first year um, and got to go out to the combine and, and meet teams and uh, do all that. And when I met, um, you know, they had a kind of a question answer session after the big data bowl where teams could come around and ask you questions about your project. And uh, Tom Robinson, who was the director of football research at the Cowboys uh, came up and was asking me questions. And I would just, you know, blurt it out. I think like I live in Dallas, like I want to work for the Cowboys. Um, and yeah, it kind of went from there. An opportunity came up and that opened the door for me to get in there. And uh, yeah, so really roundabout path, but I'm so grateful to uh, be here. And, and that whole path just, you know, I kept, being surprised every time I, you know, I didn't expect to get out to the combine. I certainly didn't expect to work for an NFL team, um, but it's been a really fun ride. That is, that's really cool. And, and kind of a testament to um, how the, the industry kind of does seem to attract people who are interested and motivated and, and kind of has, there are some on, on ramp uh, pathways there. You spoke about, spoke about fantasy football. A lot of people have gotten their start 
you know, through that, trying to quantify, just trying to beat their friends and then developing some systematic, you know, uh, data skills to, to do that. Um, and then the big data bowl is certainly a little more formal, but, but a really interesting um, way. I, obviously, I think we'd recommend anyone that's interested in, in sports analytics. That's a really good way to get noticed and to get into the competition. Um, let's, but let's take a little detour there. I'd, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your big data bowl um, uh, submission and, and kind of how you, how you, uh, went about that and what you found. I think the interesting thing is I'm looking at the 2019 winners and the, um, finalists, and there's two entries among the finalists that are single players. One was, um, another finalist and then you, everyone else was a team or, or a collaboration of multiple people. So you entered by yourself and undertook this big project and, and, and it paid off um, long-term. So I think that's, that's really interesting looking at how collaborative this has become that you were able to do this kind of as a one-man operation. What big, big picture, I'm not going to grill you about the paper or anything, big picture, what was your big data bowl project about? What do you feel like your novel contribution was? And what do you think you, um, you kind of learned through the process? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I was working a full-time job at the time. This was a, a nights and weekends hobby for me. Um, and so I, I didn't know a lot of people in the, an, the analytics space, especially football analytics. And so it's just kind of something I, I tackled them on. It's, I saw it came up and I'd, I'd always heard about the tracking data, like once they started using it and was really excited about the idea of it, thought it would be fun to explore. And um, that first year, they've done a lot better with providing, you know, really specific themes and kind of constraints around uh, what the topic should be. But I feel like that first year they were still kind of feeling out what the big data bowl even was and it was a lot more open-ended and so um i don't personally feel like my paper was especially novel like it was you know i, I called it exploratory data analysis which is kind of what i felt like all that i could really accomplish um there was a really short time period with that first one too like maybe four to six weeks or something like that over the holidays like it was much shorter than like it is today and I just had so many ideas of things I wanted to try with tracking data. And so uh, my, if I have a thesis, it's, look, here's a lot of fun ideas and I'm going to halfway do a few of them. And, um, you know, here's how I would go about them at least. And hopefully try to demonstrate to clubs, there's a lot of really cool things you can do with tracking data. And I can kind of start to do some of those things, but I never, you know, was able really to get something fully complete. I just thought it was such a big project. And so I thought, my approach was, let me just throw a lot out there and hopefully that will catch somebody's attention. So um, I don't know if I have anything particularly novel. Um, you know, one thing I did focus on was on route concepts. So you can, you know, one thing that's really interesting to me about analytics in general is uh, the relationship between different things, uh, especially in football. There's so many moving parts. So, you know, say that we know what the optimal route is, like say that's a thing, but what is the optimal route with, in combination with another route like that's a more interesting question to me um same with roster moves like you can say what's what's the best player to get but you can't draft infinitely best players like you have constraints that other teams are trying to acquire these players and you have a salary cap and so it's it's how those things like play together and i think that came from my daily fantasy time where you you're drafting players and you have a salary cap that limits what you could do and so um, that's one thing that's really exciting about Sumer for me, not to go on a, a side pitch for our company, but um, optimization kind of tries to look at that picture more holistically. So it long, that long story to say, I was looking at route concepts and how, you know, if this receiver is doing this and the receiver next to him is doing something different, how does that affect the, the play? So. 
Yeah, looking looking at this paper, it's it's really great. Um, and we'll put it. Uh, I'll, I'll keep it up and try and put it in the. Um, I'm not going to say show notes, but maybe in the comments of the YouTube video so that so people can check it out because uh, it is kind of like a tasting menu. I mean, this is 2019, right? Like tracking data is still really new in terms of how it's being used and and what they're doing. And, and this is a really nice kind of tasting menu of here's some possible things someone could do to classify, evaluate uh, NFL plays based on this tracking data. So some really cool proof of concept graphs in here are really, really uh I think this would be a really awesome launching point for anyone that had questions about like, what could I do in tracking data? That would be interesting. Like even now it, I think it holds up as a good way to kind of start in tracking data. So super cool there. Um, again, would encourage everyone to do the big data bowl. Um, the, so, so you go in there, you have a conversation with the Cowboys, you start walking with the Cowboys are working with the Cowboys, the, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. You're on their Atlantic team. What was, uh, what was your role uh, at the Cowboys? I was a football research analyst, uh, basically just a data scientist. Yeah. And how big was your department? Did they have a lot of people? Did you, was it kind of one man shop? What, what, what were you walking into there in terms of the structure of the analytics department? And again, we're not giving away state secrets here. We're talking generally, sure. that's all, you know, but, uh, but yeah, just kind of how, how big of a department was it how, how, when you got there? Yeah, so it was uh, relatively small, probably as far as data science teams go, like in other industries, um, probably average for NFL um, analytics teams at the time. We had uh, Tom Robinson, who I mentioned, who was the director. And then uh, along the same time I got there, Eric Simonelli was hired as a football research assistant, and uh, he's now on the coaching side. Uh, he's done a great job over there. So uh, the three of us, and then um, Alok Batani, who was uh, formerly at ESPN, uh, he's currently with Google. He kind of would consult with us as well. So he was a part of it as well. So, um, yeah, uh, kind of probably from what I understand about average size for an NFL analytics team, there's certainly some that are, uh, bigger and especially now, but at the time, you know, that was, I, I feel like pretty standard and, um, uh, having a few people. Um, so yeah, but small team in general compared to most other industries for data science, probably. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. It's going to sound like I'm a middle school boy. Uh, how cool was it to like be in the building with NFL players? Like, would you like run into Dak Prescott? Like what, how did, how did it work? Just like working on an NFL team. I think a lot of people think, Oh, this is really cool. I'm going to be part of the team. How plugged in did you feel with kind of the actual players and coaches being part of the analytics department? here? Yeah, no, uh, it, it was super cool just to be honest about it. And I, I'm sure <laughs> You know, at some point you get used to the starstruckness a little bit, but I don't know if I ever fully did. I don't know if I ever totally got used to, you know, standing behind Tyron Smith in line to get an omelet at the omelet station. Like that kind of stuff just stayed cool to me the whole time I was there. Um, interacting with the players and coaches. Um, and I, the, everyone was just so nice. Like I, I, you know, definitely saw these people, you know, you see Dak Prescott, he's, he's Dak Prescott, but he talks to you like you're anybody else. And, and I feel like that, you know, across the building, the Jones family is like that. You know, I think being a family type organization, they, they have that mentality of everybody's family. And if you're, you're here, your family. And um, I definitely felt that. And I was constantly, you know, had that imposter syndrome of like, what am I even doing here? Um, but yeah, it was, it was super cool. And I'll never forget that first training camp, just walking around uh, the Cowboys go out to Oxnard, California. And we have kind of a contained, um, a little compound um, for our training camp and just walking around and being starstruck. And yeah, it, it was really cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can imagine that's, that's really awesome. And, and it is not, not that, not that it wouldn't be the same with every NFL team, but it is, it's the Cowboys, right? It's, it's the big, the big leagues. It feels uh, really, really interesting. That's, that's awesome. Okay. Um, I want to talk kind of about like um, just kind of going through the the calendar of working there and mm-hmm. your roles and responsibilities and kind of what that looked like, how that evolved throughout the course of kind of these phases of the calendar year that happened for the NFL teams. Sure. Um, before we do that, could I ask broadly? So if someone said, what did you do while you worked for the Cowboys as a data scientist for a football team? What were some of the kinds of things you were doing? And then we'll go into the schedule and say, during this part of the year, I got a little more into this, you know, it'd be a little more specific yeah. um, as we, as we do that. Yeah. So very generally we kind of worked across a lot of different departments within the organization. So we were working with coaches, uh, the scouting department, uh, front office executives, and the strength and conditioning team were probably the four main areas where we would try to lend a hand and really we're doing any anything that would bring data or information in front of them that would give them an extra edge in their job that's what we're looking to do so that's a really general description i know but um it encompassed a lot of different things so some of that would be uh, more data engineering so um ingesting third-party apis and maintaining sql databases that internally to support internal applications that we had, um, stuff like that. Um, there would be lots of data visualization, which could be reports, dashboards, different things, just trying to get uh, information in front of um, the stakeholders and allow them to do their job better. And then lastly, uh, and more standard data science stuff. So analytical models, um, building things that are synthesizing data together, uh, predictive analytics, and trying to get all that, you know, one example would be like the fourth down model that everybody knows about um, and things like that for, for coaches or for the scouting department uh, to kind of fill in those gaps where we didn't have data. We were trying to create predictive models that are that are giving that data to them. So um, broadly, that's kind of across all those different things and it would change as the as the year went along. So, yeah. And what generally what percent of your time was um, split between a clear directive passed down from someone on one of those four teams saying we need something for this versus you saying, Hey, I know about football. I think this is important. I can try to convince people that we should, we should be thinking about something like this. Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I would say 70, 30, maybe um, th- there was definitely a good bit of the time where you had direction. Like in it, some of it's the, the posture I tried to have when I went in there, which is like, how can I, not here's all the ways I can help, but how can I like coming to you and asking, like, how, how can I help you best do your job yeah. and get the data that you need? And so I kind of took that approach. And so maybe it ended up that way because of that's how I did it. I felt like I had so much to learn and I just kind of was a sponge and tried to soak in as much as I could. Um, but there was definitely time, you know, especially certain times of the year where it would be slower and we kind of had those times to do, we call them special projects and things that I thought, you know, if I if I can kind of head down and work on this for a week or two and really make some progress, this is something that would be great for this coach in this way or, you know, the scouting department as a supplement to what they're doing. So um, we had plenty of time to do that as well. Um, you had to kind of carve it out when you could. So, yeah. Okay, I do want to get to the ca- the calendar, but again, I'm just so fascinated about like the idea of of working in the building and everything. Did you have a time where one of your uh, kind of special projects you took it to a coach and they said, "Oh, this is great. We're going to do something with this. Like, I love this." And did you have a time where a coach was like, "No, this is dumb. Leave me alone." <laughs> uh, yeah, pr- probably probably a little bit of both. Um, maybe more on the dumb side. No. Um, yeah. Um, 
So draft availability is something that continues to to be a thing in the public. I know ESPN does theirs mm-hmm. now, and uh, the DraftKings has, puts out their odds, and that's always the topic of conversation of when guys are getting taken where. Uh, but that is something that, and I'll credit Tom Robinson for the idea to, to do this and take it to where we did. Uh, but I got to implement a lot of um, draft availability model to try to give give the front office staff and the sky department more direction on where we felt like players were going to go in the draft, and that allowed us to kind of shape draft strategy a little bit. Um, so that was one that was really cool that I, I got to work on. And um, yeah, there was definitely some that I feel like, hmm, nothing jumps to mind. I mean, I, I feel like overall coaches and scouts and, and everybody was just like super gracious and, and never would say like, this is just stupid. You know, they were always curious to learn. And, and like we we had uh, fortunately coaching staff and a scouting department that just wanted to hear what we had to say. And I'm so thankful for that. And so, yeah, they, and I don't know if everything got implemented, you know, that we suggested for sure. There were things that they still would disagree on for different reasons, but um, overall I feel like they, they were open to listening at least. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And that, and that's been my experience too, is I think a lot of people think football coaches might not be um, as, as intellectual as, you know, like a data scientist or whatever, but like these are very smart people just because they don't have a math background doesn't mean they're not, one, hungry for an edge and two, keen to, to get that edge through whatever kind of information. So cool to hear that that is, that is the case. And um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the calendar here and, and kind of walking through what it looked like as an analytics department during the, the NFL calendar. You mentioned Oxnard and uh, the, the training camp. Is that a good place to kind of start? I feel like that's kind of the beginning of, of a season cycle. So training camp, you're, you guys went out to Oxnard. You're in the compound. What are you doing um, uh, kind of day to day to help with the training camp or during the training camp process? Yeah, so training camp is a great, great place to start. That's actually I was hired a few weeks before training camp. So um, that's kind of was my first taste of everything. Um, a lot of that from the um, scouting. So that's one of the few times a year we're really kind of in between scouting and coaching pretty evenly. Um, so scouting is very focused on the roster as a whole. You come into training mm-hmm. camp with 90 man rosters and eventually you're going to have to cut down um, to 53. And so that's a big part of it is just evaluating the talent that's there. Um, we're trying to give them as much information as we can to supplement that process. Um, another thing to be aware of is like what other teams are doing, like what, what uh, players do we think they might uh, cut down from that might be available to us and could help fill gaps that we have. So um, I'm trying to, that's one of the things that I feel like data was really good at is how can we, you know, get a lot of information from other places kind of at scale um, and bring it in front of our uh, stakeholders so that they could kind of make the right decision. So uh, that was kind of the scouting side. And then for the coaching side, a big part of what we did in general was with uh, player performance. So uh, we have so many sensors and uh, tools and things like that that are tracking players during practice and we're trying to synthesize as much much of that information as we can for coaches and the strength and conditioning staff so that they're aware of how players are performing you know we're trying to prevent injuries and help with fitness and all the above and that's you know definitely a focus throughout the season but especially in training camp when guys are coming off the summer uh getting everyone back into shape um we're providing you know you hear about the the gps numbers a lot um that's that was a lot of what we were uh, feeding to them. So yeah, kind of that, that was the coaching focus and the scouting focus was more on the roster. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, because I think even even through preseason, there's some decisions on the margin that are going to have to be informed by large large uncertainty bounce um, and, sure. and, and limited sample size, but still figure out how does this work long term while keeping an eye on kind of what other teams um, are, are doing. Okay. So. A um, lot of scouting there um, in kind of the uh, a lot of self scouting there in the preseason yeah. and in the um, training camp uh, that all happens. And, and I'm sure you're doing some of this in preseason and maybe you can speak to that. And then you transition to the regular season. The analytics team uh, moves into game game prep roles. Does that change dramatically? How does that kind of look uh, on a week to week basis? Yeah, we definitely um, shift a lot of more of our focus to the coaching uh, once it gets in season. So scouting is, is plenty busy during the season. They're, um, you know, doing a lot of um, opponent scouting, advanced scouting uh, as well for the coaches. And we're supplementing their process with um, anything we could get as far as opponent tendencies. So that's what we're trying to do is help the coaches prepare as much as they can for the upcoming opponents, trying to find edges that they can exploit. Um, we had some standard reports that we would run pretty regularly. And most of those are created from scratch, at least initially, like we have to, you know, have a concept or have a coach that wants something and, and build it for them. And it may be a piece of paper at the end as some coaches would like, it may be a dashboard, uh, for some that, you know, were more interact, wanted to interact with the data more. Um, so it kind of depended on that. And then, so, so getting those reports up and running, so they have what they have for the opponent preparation and then um there would be ad hoc requests you know there were certain coaches like dan quinn is one who always had interesting creative ideas about how he wanted to um, attack opponents and so he would say can you dig into this aspect of something um so there'd be stuff like that that we would work on as well and then uh, along with what i was talking about with player performance so we have you know practice every week um leading up to the games and so we want to manage player workload during the week and in view of the larger season, you know, you don't want to ramp players too much up, uh, ramp players up in practice too quickly in the beginning of the season. And um, you're more likely to get injured that way. And so just, are we based on the time of year loading players correctly and based on the day of the week uh, loading players correctly so that we can, you know, have optimal performance from them on Sunday. So yeah, that was the goal. So just trying to help out as much as we can with all that, but it was largely, you know, coaching and strength and conditioning focused in season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And is, and the tools on that are amazing. Like the way they've gotten so good and, and, and the ability to kind of figure out, Hey, this player's breathing is, is off today. He's probably a little gassed. Let's, let's pull back. Like that's, that's really interesting um, to, to be able to manage that. So there's some workload, workload management. There's some, some, some scouting, some targeting. Does that change at all? Um, throughout the course of the season as expectations for I'm thinking about, is there a point where it's like, Oh, we're going to go to the postseason. We need to start gearing up for a postseason run. What does that look like? Again, I know the, the, the teams are thinking about that um, from the standpoint of like the coaching staff, how did the analytics department kind of factor into uh, potentially gearing up for a stretch run? Or um, I don't think this is the case while you're at the Cowboys, but maybe realizing that that's not in the cards and you're going to get to be able to start on your draft prep a little early. 
Yeah. So we were, um, we, I think we didn't go to the postseason maybe my first year. I can't remember now, but, um, regardless, yeah, you definitely, um, continue to be focused on that. And one thing that analytics was able to do is, you know, we can kind of, we have these reports and we build them in such a way that we can sub in different opponents or slice off different, uh, games of opponent. And so as you get towards the end of the season, you know, we're going to play one of these four people in the wild card round or something like that. And so you can kind of start to be building that stuff and give coaches a little bit of a, a look ahead. You know, they're, they're going to be focused on the game in front of them because we got to win that before we go anywhere else. Uh, but sometimes they want to just have like a little bit of an eye on the future. And so um, and so that was easy for us to build in and say, like, it's going to be one of these and here's the different um, differences between these teams and how you might want to be thinking about that a little bit ahead of time uh, without getting too far ahead of yourself. Obviously, you, know, you got to win the game in front of you. But, um, yeah, so I think throughout the season that was kind of our focus is um, opponent preparation and, and workload and stuff. And does that, entail, his- does that entail models of win probability and season simulation to figure out the likelihood of your seeding and who you're playing? You're, you're, you're throughout the season kind of passively uh, kind of updating those and, and figuring out which team is actually stronger than their schedule or not as strong and, and all of that, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're saying there's 70% chance it's going to be San Francisco in the wildcard round, you know, so this is the one we probably need to be caring about. It's much lower likelihood that we're going to be playing someone else. So um, that's the kind of thing we're trying to get to. Cool. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and so as, as the postseason kind of comes around and those are crystallized, at what point do you start looking towards the draft? Cause that's the next big thing, right? After, after the postseason and draft prep, start i mean I, I guess it never really actually ends but where does it really kind of start the grind for for nfl teams yeah so i mean the scouting department is doing it all fall so our, our college scouts are on the road and they're they're looking at guys all fall and they're kind of have their own process that we, we become more a part of uh after the season but they're kind of you know all the time working on uh that next draft coming up so we're just kind of jumping into their process a little bit later on and um, you know, the first thing is probably, so we'll go out to the combine, uh, there's free agency and a lot of times contract negotiations around that time. So we, uh, did some like market analysis and trying to, you know, provide supplemental information to help with contract negotiations and, uh, free agency, things like that. And then, yeah, pretty much from there, it, it turns to the draft. And so that becomes a huge focus for everyone. Um, how we're going to attack the draft, you know, where our team needs are, where, we feel like we can get players. Um, trade evaluation is a big thing. Like, what are what does our trade target look like? You know, all these many things uh, that teams use to try to get an edge in the draft. Um, player evaluation being a huge part of that. So, uh, we're definitely trying to just add context to what the scouts are already doing. I mean, they're um, they know these players inside and out. They're watching film. They're going to games. They're interviewing, and uh, so we're just trying to aggregate statistical information that can help with that process. Um, you know, there's cognition scores that are um, people are starting to incorporate more. So things like that. Um, we're just trying to get all that in front of them and so that they can make the best decision possible. Yeah. And and some of that is also um, some of that also is kind of the balance between things you think are important and saying, as we're evaluating, we want to we want to have tabs on this and the analytics department presents it. And then uh, presumably kind of like uh, we mentioned earlier, scouts are saying, hey, this guy, you know, runs this or whatever 
is he is he running fast or slow for his weight? How do his statistics kind of differentiate him among people who have run that and and kind of helping them synthesize some stuff that maybe they can't necessarily do with their eyes, having to watch you know all those guys and and as as well. So kind of that balance of being able to lead but also provide what they what they need as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, just trying to you know there would be times where there's gaps in data too, and so can we fill any gaps? You know, some guy didn't run the forty, so can we? Uh, have a model that approximates what that 40 would be, um, you know, things like that to, to try to help add context wherever we could. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, looking at our time here, I want to hit two or three more questions and then we've got a couple in the, in the comments I want to hit as well. Um, so one thing I'm really interested in, uh, were, were you ever in the, in the draft war room, like uh, live on the, as the draft was happening? No, I was not. Um, yeah, Tom Robinson, my, my boss, was some, I think. And, okay. Uh, we also, uh, COVID kind of hit during my time there, and so that, that changed right. things a little bit uh, as well. But no, I was never uh, in, the, in the war room making the calls or anything. Yeah, but but still but still doing stuff and being involved and, and kind of potentially sure. being on call. I, I bet it's similar to um, kind of what we did at Sumer where we were all yeah. in our draft war room. And yeah, sometimes I wasn't necessarily doing uh, a whole lot, but it was like if something needs to happen, we're there and, and can yeah. be ready for it. So, OK, draft happens. Big rush. Everybody's happy. Right. You take a deep breath. Is there a lot yeah. in the in the season after that? Right. So it's a little bit of, OK, maybe you get some time for those personal projects. Uh, training camp doesn't start for a couple of weeks. This to me feels like the slow season. What is an analytics department doing? You know, breathing, resting. That's obviously important sure. to, to avoid burnout and, and your retain your sanity. What are you kind of doing as an analytics department in this off season, off season uh, <laughs> to, yeah. you know, keep, keep your head above water. Yeah. So it, it probably doesn't quite, it definitely slows down. It doesn't quite hit its lull until probably mid June. So, you know, for, right after the draft, we start having uh, rookie mini camp. You have OTAs, which is organized team activities, uh, basically like spring training, essentially. And so for a lot of the players, especially, you know, players you just drafted or undrafted free agents you just signed, like it's your first time to see them um, on the field, working out like with the team, everybody's there. And so I think we're, we're still doing a lot with, you know, the player performance side of the things, you know, trying to keep guys in shape, keep guys healthy. Um, trying to supplement that process. And uh, scouting department is definitely starting to look at what does our roster look like. So you're doing some self-scouting of, all right, we've got everybody here now, and, and do we like it? And what do we not like? And what changes do we need to make? So there's still some going on there. Um, and that happens till about mid-June um, is when all that kind of wraps up. And then you have a month or so until training camp starts. So that's your kind of, if you're going to squeeze in a vacation, that's the time to do it. But regardless, it is slower kind of after the draft um, all the way up until training camp. And so we definitely would take some time to focus on uh, special projects. Uh, for me, that was anything that was an application of the tracking data. Um, that was one of the reasons that I think the Cowboys had an interest in me was because I worked with the big data bowl and the tracking data, especially at that time was so new and they were still looking for ways to leverage it. And those types of projects, I mean, you've seen it. It's just those are really difficult to tackle in a short time span, especially with everything else going on with the calendar and the other requests we were getting. That that was the time to kind of put your head down and work for a little bit and try to implement something uh, with that. So we were able to have a couple of successful projects there. And um, I think we did some really cool stuff. And uh, tracking data is one of those things that, yeah, I probably can't say we're still just scratching the surface because. There's been a lot of surface scratch at this point. There's so many big data bowl things and people that have 
um, really advance that along. But it's it's an area that I think will continue to be explored and provide an edge for teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, so so fruitful, and who knows what the next innovation is going to be? You know, you watch like the Amazon Thursday night broadcast and think there's yeah. a lot of potential here for live stuff, and and could do all that. Um, okay, Adam, I've got two more questions for you. I see a couple in the comments. I want to hit those uh, to make okay. sure we get those for those people, and then let's um, I, I, we'll finish on on my last two, which are a little more um, general and of the uh, pontificatory nature, if you will, give you give you an opportunity to talk about the state of things and in, in, uh, in terms of analytics. So um, we've got one that asks, do NFL teams trade data and research like they do in the MLB? So I'm going to frame that a little bit differently because I'm not 100% sure what the MLB does. But um, were you working with uh, or talking to any other departments? Is it all kind of very guarded? Is there any give and take between industry professionals in the uh, in the NFL analytics world? Yeah, I think there definitely is. So, I mean, there's not a lot of people, period, that are doing NFL analytics with teams. So it's kind of a small fraternity. And you definitely bond with those people when we see them at different things. Like we would go to the combine. Um, we have TAC, which I can't remember what that, like technology and something that's like a you know, part for NFL teams, like all their tech people go out to it and talk and that's a conference there. And then um, Sloan we'd go to. And so anything like that, you're trying to definitely meet those guys and hang out and uh, guys and gals. And uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, I was definitely always open to learning from people and, and, you know, everybody's, you know, guarded to some extent, you don't want to give away all the trade secrets, but I think overall people were very open to trying to help each other and, and offer ideas and things like that. So um, yeah, I, had good relationships with several people from other departments. And that was a, a great part of it for me. Cool. But nothing like, you know, high school coaches will trade tape, right? You're not trading <laughs> proverbial tape with other data, data analytics departments in the, uh, in the NFL. Yeah. I don't know if we were like, you know, sending models over to them, like fully written out, like GitHub <laughs> repositories or anything like that. Uh, just, you know, talking ideas and things like that. And um, yeah, that's probably more general. Right, right. Um, interesting. All right, another one here. How much of the focus on opponent preparation comes from the coaches and how much on the analytics department? Do you get to pick your focus for, for that week? That's a great question. Um, probably, and again, I, I think they were probably open to whatever we wanted to bring to them. There were certainly times where, um, from what I was looking at with like the analytics, that it, there were something that I was like, hey, this might be something we could focus on or leverage, and I would bring that up. Um, for me, again, maybe it's just how I went about things. Like I was always like, what, what do you see that I can, you know, what questions do you have that I can try to help answer? You know, what questions about this team or what do you, what tendencies are you seeing on film that we want to, you know, run to ground and see, is there data behind what you think you're seeing and kind of confirm that or, or make you call it into question a little bit. Like maybe that's not as true as it seems, um, but whatever we could do to supplement that. So I was very open to, what the coaches wanted from me, but I think they were also open to, you know, there would be times where I saw something and thought, Hey, this is something we should probably focus on. Here's a tendency that's popping up in the data um, that I don't think we're looking at yet. So I don't, I don't know, probably definitely more on what the coaches wanted, but they would very open to what we could find as well. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So there is some opportunity to kind of lead in the data sense there along with the standard reports and, and kind of what coaches want to know. Sure. Um, cool. Great question. Thanks for thanks for tossing it in there. And then one uh, one last one. I think we've got here, well, um, and this this leads into a question. Um, so I'll ask this and then ask you my question and let you answer both of them. 
the Dan asks, what kind of programs and packages did you use while you were working with the Cowboys? Are they different from the open source stuff like NFL fast are? And then generally I'll ask you if, if someone's wanting to get started, um, what, what can they learn? What can they do that they could kind of get them uh, a leg up on the, on the competition to, to be involved with an NFL team in a data sense? Yeah. Um, so we um, use a lot of R, which is kind of like my main language, a little bit of Python and a lot of SQL. So a lot of our databases are in SQL. Um, NFL Fast R, we definitely would leverage if there was something that we didn't have access to uh, for some reason that, you know, was really it, it, pretty much everything we probably had access to that was in there. But um, sometimes that data was presented really well and easy to get. So um, and I, I came from, you know, not from a team. And so I'd used NFL scraper as it was uh, before it was NFL fast R. Um, and so I just had familiarity with that and kind of would lean on that when I could. Um, teams have a lot of data that's um, not necessarily available to public. And so you, there's, you know, kind of had more than NFL fast R and that's what we're using more as our internal league databases and some third party sources like pro football focus, you know, has a lot of data obviously. And so um, anything like that, we were, we were leveraging, but, yeah, a lot of R and uh, SQL. Um, but yeah, NFL Fast R is great. And if you're trying to get started, that's how I got started was playing around with that. I think the number one thing I would say to anyone that's interested in going into football analytics is just to build something and put it out there. Um, it, you know, I think it's you're someone that knows this better than anyone, uh, Mr. PhD. But you know, there's something to be said for formal education and like you know, getting a data science degree or a stats degree or something like that, or, or reading a book, you know, when I first wanted to learn to code, I, you know, started reading automate the boring stuff with Python and, you know, trying those little toy examples. And that's great. But it wasn't until that I wanted to build like a DraftKings, you know, lineup builder for myself that I really learned to code because I now had an application that I was excited about. And, and that kind of pushed me to code. So I'd say just start building something. And then the second piece of that is just getting it out there. And that's something that's, you know, probably a little harder for me. I'm not the most public person. And I remember the night of my big data bowl submission, the deadline was up and I did not feel good about my submission. And I felt like it was unfinished and kind of, you know, unfocused and everything. And I, I almost didn't submit it. And my wife pushed me and she said, you've worked really hard on this. Like, just put it out there and see what happens. And I could pretty much owe my entire football analytics career to that moment. So, you know, I think it can be uh, scary sometimes to put your work out there, but, you know, I, a common thing I was seeing uh, with it, pretty much anyone that's been hired by a team or a company like ours is that they did good work and they just put it out for people to find it. And when you do that, it's, that's the best way to, to get your name out there and get the attention of someone on a team or someone in a company like ours. So just encourage, encourage everyone to um, do that. Yeah, absolutely. And if, and if, you know, you post it and you make a mistake and it's stupid, great. You learn something, right? Like, I mean, the, the people are going to matter are not going to care enough to, you know, they're going to, they're going to care enough to, uh, to, to point something out and say, interesting, this is a different approach. I would do something different, you know, and, and help you out. So uh, certainly, certainly we here at the Sumer Sports Podcast and at Sumer Sports in general are fans of, uh, of keep posting, because I think that's a great way to get some instant feedback. And um, that's, that's really interesting. Um, all right, Adam, I've got one last question for you here on this podcast. It's going to be general. It's going to be open-ended. Um, you have worked for the team for a couple of seasons. You've kind of seen how the sausage is made in terms of using analytics. What do you, what would you say uh, is a, a way or a couple of ways that data analytics generally could be better used in the sport of football? 
That's a good question. Um, you know, a short, maybe easier answer is the tracking data. I've kind of talked about that a little bit. I think that there's still a wealth of information in that. And it, it takes a lot of work to, to get good insights out of it. And I think people are already doing a lot of great work there. And so I think that'll continue to be a space where we learn a lot more about the game of football through that wealth of information. Um, the other thing is, and not to turn this again into like a sales pitch for Sumer, but um, it's one thing to kind of, you know, you have like descriptive statistics and then you have predictive analytics and then kind of up that next step is optimization. And to do optimization well, you kind of need to integrate lots of different predictive models together. It's kind of looking at things more holistically. I kind of touched on this before. Um, and that's something that's really hard to do on the team side, or at least that I found uh, with a smaller team. And when you're uh, have so many other requests and things that you're balancing, you just don't, that takes a lot of, you know, manpower and effort and time and focus to get really right is bigger roster optimization, um, integrating all these different analytical models together. And, you know, Tom and I had plenty of conversations about trying to do that on the team side, and you just never really quite got the bandwidth to implement all that. So I think that's one of the areas that is one of the reasons I got was so excited about joining Sumer. It's, it's kind of what I, you know, wanted to work on is, how do I bring all this together in a more holistic picture of how we, you know, a, attack a roster and, and make it the best that it possibly can be? And that's to me, that's a, a step up from just, you know, having individual predictive analytic models that you're relying on. It's trying to tie everything together in a cohesive way to give you, you know, a better insight into what that roster is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, I would uh, be inclined to agree. And that's not just because I work at Sumer, but it is kind of the idea of how can we how can we put all these things in concert and get something out here that's that's going to be helpful. Um, one last question I'll just address. Uh, sorry, I did this. Uh, Dan asks, is, is tracking data free? Um, I think there are next-gen stats through NFL Faster. There's some next-gen stats stuff you can get. And I believe that all the old big data bowl repositories are still up on Kaggle. So you could go get your hands on some tracking data and play around with it in both of those cases are, are ways to do that. So um, that would be the way to check it out. If you got follow-up questions, both Adam and I are on Twitter. Um, I'll, I'll tag him in the, in the post as well so that you can uh, get, get his um, uh, handle there and, and you can ask us more questions. If you've got specifics about that, we're happy to uh, happy to help. Adam told you I'd get us out of here in 30 to 45 minutes. We're bumping up against 45 minutes. This was such a great conversation. Uh, so interesting. Thanks for, for shedding a little light on what it looks like to work in an NFL um, department and talk about analytics and how they, they work in the game of football. Um, really appreciate having you on and, uh, and, and everything that you talked about today. Thanks so much, Parker. Yeah, this was a blast. Uh, glad to be able to do it. And uh, yeah, just so fortunate to be where I am. But definitely a path I didn't play it on, but uh, yeah, very thankful and uh, it's been a lot of fun. So thanks so much. Absolutely. Yeah. And here we are. I feel like all of us kind of have that attitude, which is a really great place to be. Um, this has been uh, the Sumer short, uh, who, excuse me, this has been the Sumer sports show. Uh, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, that's senior data scientist at Sumer sports, Adam Vonderhart. Um, we will be back on the show uh, on Monday, Eric and Thomas will be back. Uh, breaking some stuff down and I'll be back next week with uh, hopefully, hopefully a guest or two. So we'll be able to do some fun and uh, Tej, Seth will be back with me as well. So we'll get to do some content this summer. Make sure you're subscribed here and on uh, Twitter, on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, like great review. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you all next week.